We're recording this at 7 p.m. on February 3rd, so by the time you hear this, Patrick Liney and Pierre-Luc Dubois will have had a tour of their new hometowns and realize they've both been had. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that has less listeners than Connor McDavid has points per game. I'm Darren Plett, the Flames fan, and with me is Stuart Jones, the Oilers fan. Hello, Stu. Hello. You, li- you like lying. that opening? We have uh, one listener, is that, or 1.8 listeners maybe. I don't know how that works. but uh, I don't know. Wow. I just assumed from how the media was perceiving Connor McDavid lately that he had something like, I don't know, 20, 30 points per game. That's <laughs> that's kind of what I was assuming. Is that not correct? Well, uh, interestingly, uh, and we did not plan this, I am going to be talking a little bit about McDavid and Dreisaitl and their pace that they're on right now. So maybe that's a transition. <laughs> that doesn't seem like so much of a coincidence because they're on an insane pace right now. And I mean, since we brought it up, we might as well start there. It's it's kind of news because these guys are scoring at just a ridiculous pace this season so far, aren't they? Yeah, it, it seems hard to even describe the fact that McDavid and Drysaddle are getting a lot of points as news. <laughs> but for some reason, it just is even more than usual. Uh, in fact, over the f- the first 10 games played, uh, the, the best joke I saw was the two of them had more points than the entire Anaheim Ducks roster combined. <laughs> so, <laughs> Is that a joke or is that serious? That sounds well, like a serious. It, it's a joke, but it's, it's absolutely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the true joke there is the Anaheim Ducks, but yeah, it's yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. true. So uh, yeah, McDavid so far, 24 points in the season uh they've uh in 12 games and dry settle 22 points so so dries at about 1.83 points per game and mcdavid solid two points per game now obviously the media uh, as i say that as if we're not you know currently recording a media <laughs> podcast but we we are a media <laughs> you know s- some people may be blowing this out of proportion saying like well you know if they keep at this pace they'll be ridiculous number of points um you know i'm not necessarily expecting them to keep at this pace but the fact of the matter is you know, we can't even say like it's too early because with such a shortened season, there is no like too early this year. Like the Oilers have already p- played over 20% of their season. So even if they don't keep up this ridiculous of a pace, like they're going to have phenomenal years. There's no question to that, right? So, and of course, because Edmonton is Edmonton, and again, going to use the word media, Edmonton media is Edmonton media. Wayne Gretzky was asked about this because, again, Edmonton is Edmonton. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he said his usual things, you know, the game's different these days and it's so much harder to score, yada, 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 uh, him being humble and all that sort of thing. But one of the funny things he said, and I don't think he was trying to be funny, but I laughed at it. He was talking about how good of a scorer that Leon Dreisaitl is. He said, you know, he's great at passing, but he's an incredible goal scorer. And he said, me and Connor, and I'm not trying to compare myself to Connor, we have to work for our goals. Leon is just a natural. (laughs) 
So there's a, there's so a backward. There's a there's a couple really funny points here. Uh, a he grouped himself in with Connor McDavid and then quickly recovered and said, "I'm not trying to compare myself to Connor," which of course every single person in Edmonton is constantly trying to compare the two of them. But he's you know quickly backtracked and said, "I'm not trying to compare myself there." But then he says that him and Connor McDavid have to work for their goals. How many NHL players do you think he really pissed off with that sentence? <laughs> yeah, who who doesn't work for their goals? And also, Connor McDavid look makes it look like he's not really working that hard when he just cuts through an entire team like a hot knife through butter. That's that's working hard. Okay, okay, Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, if if there are two people in NHL history who do not look like they have to work for their goals, it's probably Connor McDavid and Wayne Gretzky. Uh, but then uh, even further for him to just say that for that Leon is just a natural, that Drysidle makes it look easy compared to how hard Connor McDavid and Wayne Gretzky have to work. <laughs> I just love everything about that sentence. That was amazing to me, but... Anyways, uh, I digress. Obviously, McDavid and Dreisaitl having a huge season so far. Again, probably not going to keep up two points per game, but you never know. Uh, but either way, they're going to be significant. No, like anyone questioned that at any point, but, you know, they're doing well. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about with the Oilers so far is Koskinen. Um, you know, we've we've joked a lot. Uh, for both our teams about goaltending. And, you know, I'm sure you have some things to say about uh, Markstrom's uh, first few games with the Flames. You know it. But uh, Koskinen reached his 100-game mark with the Oilers uh, over the past month. Uh, He's now at about 104 games, I believe. And over that time, his record is, you know, pretty average, I guess. I I don't know if I'm saying that as if average is good or average is bad, but <laughs> it's it's pretty average. Like his record overall is 48, 40, and nine, so barely a winning record. Goals against uh, average is 2.68, not great, not terrible, uh, and save percentage is at 0.9. But you know he's been reliably average for the Oilers and I you know I think a lot of Oilers fans myself included I've you know made comments about how we need goaltending we've kind of overlooked the fact that he's been fine like he hasn't been stellar he hasn't been the most amazing goalie um, anyone's ever had or that we've even ever had but he has been average like um, as a comparison using Markstrom as a comparison and that's and the reason I'm using him is because a lot of Oilers fans hope that we would be the ones picking up Markstrom, right? Uh, He's had a few more games under his belt, but his career stats are 2.79 goals against average and a 0.911 save percentage. So, you know, these aren't, these goalies aren't too far off. Markstrom has obviously made like had a huge year last year. That's been significantly better than his career stats would imply. And uh, and obviously the Flames are hoping for that to continue. And I think it will. I think he is, you know, I'm not saying they're equivalents, like they're the same skill level or anything. I do think Markstrom is a really good starting goaltender. But, you know, it just goes to show that, um, you know, Koskinen is a decent goalie. And I think not necessarily the worst part of our team by any stretch. 
another point that's worth noting is he is leading the league and like way, way leading the league in total saves and time on ice this season for goalies. So this just proves like something that's been a problem for the Oilers for many years. And that's, we always make our goalies play way too much. Like we expect them to be Henrik Lundqvist. Basically, if you can't play 80 out of 82 games, then you're not our starting goalie. (laughs) And we work them way too hard. If he's got way more saves than anyone else and we're still losing, that's because, you know, we clearly need to work on our defense. We shouldn't expect our goalie to have to make 150 more saves than the next leading goalie. We're expecting yeah. way too much out of our goalies, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say to give a backhanded compliment. If you're a, a very average goalie, but you're a very average goalie behind that Oilers defense, are you really average or are you actually above average? Because... <laughs> I mean, you you said it, right? He plays a ton of minutes and he has a ton of shots against him and he's still average. So I think that implies that he might be a little bit better than people are giving him credit for. Yeah, no, that, that's a fair point. Uh, you know, if if he had a different defense, uh, yeah, would his stats look even better than they do? Maybe uh, we'll see if that uh, changes at all. Um, I haven't seen a whole ton of great defense out of the Oilers so far last month. Um you know, we, we split the series with Vancouver, with Toronto and Winnipeg. So we're just kind of 500 with them, but then we lost all of our games against the Habs and won all of our games against the Sanders. So somewhere, somehow we're just kind of averaging out to being average. <laughs> That's just the Oilers story for the month of January, except for of course, McDavid and dry far above average, but you know what I'm saying there? So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how all of these things continue to play through this shortened season, whether those two players stay on the pace or even close to that pace is going to be darn impressive. Uh, whether we play some defense and actually, you know, make Koskinen look uh, much better than he's looking and, you know, may- maybe make him look as good as he actually is. And uh, yeah, whether we can continue to see that kind of splitting of all those series with these teams and just kind of working out to a 500 record with them, uh, who knows? But it'll be interesting to see where this kind of takes off from here. Yeah, no kidding. And I think I think that actually all leads in pretty nicely to what I was going to say about Markstrom. As you mentioned before, I do have things to say about Markstrom and the kind of the idea of an average goalie playing against or playing behind, uh, you know, below average defense. What happens if they go to a better defense? Well, I think that's what we've seen with Markstrom in Calgary, because as you alluded to his, his stats in Vancouver were good. They weren't great. Um, there was a lot of analytics about predicting how solid he would be in Calgary. And, that has come to fruition so far over the early part of the season. Jacob Markstrom has been very, very good. As you said, his career average for save percentage is uh, 0.911. But in Calgary right now, it's 0.924, which, you know, in save percentage terms is quite a remarkable increase. And the other thing about his season is he already has two shutouts. And I don't know if you looked this up, Stu, but do you know how many shutouts Jacob Markstrom had in his entire seven-year career with the Vancouver Canucks? I did not look that up. Over over all seven years with the Canucks, Markstrom had five shutouts total, uh, and he already has two for the Flames. Wow. So I think 
I think that speaks to him, obviously, being a good goalie. But now that he's slid in behind uh, a much improved defense, a defense that is probably a lot more actually defensive than Vancouver's, his numbers have shot up. And so that's, I think, some nice uh, synergy between him and the Calgary defense. And it's paying off for both of them because... You know, Calgary this week as a whole, or I guess, sorry, this month as a whole, has looked very hot and cold, back and forth, give effort, and then they don't. But I think the defense has been quite solid through all of that. And the one fun stat that's been batted around in Calgary sports media the last few days is that Chris Tanev, who was also a former Canuck, and Noah Hannafin as a defense pairing did not allow an even strength goal against them for 110 minutes. Wow. And that, well, that was first in the league. Unfortunately, it, it ended last night against Winnipeg. They got scored on five on five. But that was by far and away the longest streak in the league. And for a defense pairing, that is really impressive. So now, uh, as of today, as of our recording, they've only allowed, it, allowed one goal against them at even strength for 126 minutes. That's crazy. That is that is really good defense, and it doesn't really matter at this point if it's luck or whatever. That's an elite defensive pairing, and putting that in front of our new brick wall, Jacob Markstrom, is going to give you a chance to win every night, even if the offense is subpar, which it has been. Leading off this whole episode with... Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl and how they are just drowning in oodles of points among them just makes me so jealous because it seems like Calgary's top players have to scrap and claw and scrape for all their points. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau's had a really nice season. He he was much maligned this offseason. You know, trade Johnny. It's the ideal time to do so. He looked not great last season. Why don't we sell low on our best player? You know, stuff that makes sense like that. <laughs> And now, very unsurprisingly to some people, he's bounced back. He has 11 points in nine games. It's not 22 points, but, I mean, that's pretty good production. It's actually the best start of his career, so that's quite good. Um, the The problem with the Flames right now is, once again, the bottom six isn't chipping in as much as they should be. Uh, I think the Flames will be fine over the long run, but they added in new guys like Levo and Simone and Nordstrom and and the young guys like Dubé and Manjapani aren't hitting the score sheet a ton yet. So I think that that just has to pick up some. I think the problem here is I'm probably trying to compare them a little bit too much to the Oilers because of the rivalry. And I'm like, look at those. Look at how much those guys score. Why can't you guys do that? It's not so <laughs> hard. But uh, the Flames identity is a little different. And in watching them and watching the Oilers, the Flames appear to have a really rigid strategy. Sometimes uh, it looks like they're kind of hockey robots that were told to do certain things, like pass to certain places, and you can't pass unless you do this. Like they have algorithms built in. And, uh, and that's probably why they have, you know, really good defensive numbers and why they don't allow many goals. But it's also probably why they don't get tons of chances and why they can seem a little bit subdued on offense. So to me... I hate that there's a lack of offense, but there's also give and take, right? It's You're not necessarily going to have a team that's the best defensive team in the league, but also has players that get 22 points in, in 12 games up front. So uh, it's really interesting to me that our teams have such kind of different 
identities to them, which makes me really interested to see our first Battle of Alberta that's coming up soon. Yeah, no kidding. You're, I think the, the differences you can see are in the, the, the shutouts that you were talking about, right? Uh, the fact that Calgary has had games where one of the teams didn't score a goal <laughs> is beyond what the Oilers could even comprehend. That <laughs> hasn't happened for the Oilers. Uh, you know, the Oilers uh, had a 8-5 game against the Sanders, <laughs> and uh, the Flames could not possibly imagine seeing that many goals in one game. Uh, 13 goals? Whoa. Yeah, it's definitely definitely two different styles. It's fun hockey, regardless. Now it is time for Sellies and Scorns. Stu, you, you can pick one and you can go first. All right. I will uh, start with my Scorn because it's it's a pretty quick one. Um, but like just just wow, I think is is the way I can describe my reaction to this. Uh, the Scorn is for the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, I guess I should look at how well they're doing right now because what I'm going to scorn them on is not... Uh, not necessarily current. They are still near the bottom of their division, not quite dead at the bottom anymore. Uh, but at one point uh, during this season, they had absolutely zero points, zero wins. They were already three games into the season. So they were below Dallas in the standings before Dallas even started. Cause as you know, <laughs> Dallas got delayed in their start. So Chicago had played three games and was still losing to a team that hadn't even put their pants on yet. So that's pretty, <laughs> bad. <laughs> that's pretty bad for Chicago's start. Uh, they've, they've improved a little bit since then. They are, you know, like I said, not quite at the bottom of their division, but uh, that's a pretty bad start for any team. You don't want to be seeing that. It sounds like Chicago might've started their season with their pants down too a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Uh, I might as well go with my scorn and keep the scorn train rolling. Uh, my scorn is for Vancouver Canucks general manager Jim Benning. He must feel like the biggest fool watching this season unfold because in the offseason, he had a few unrestricted free agents he had to let go. One was Chris Tanev, uh, as we noted, one of the Flames' best defenders thus far. One was Jacob Markstrom. Uh, who is playing fantastically, again, for a division rival thus far. And one was Tyler Toffoli, who they couldn't re-sign. He signed in Montreal, which is now a division rival. And Tyler Toffoli has eight goals in three games against the Canucks. He has nine goals overall this season, so he's basically scored all of his goals against the Canucks. He is just lighting them up. Those three players that Benning had to let go because of poor cap management are absolutely destroying his team currently. So, Jim Benning, my score is for you. You might want to figure out the cap and actually figure out how to keep your best players, but uh, I might as well say thank you for two of our best players currently. Ouch. Yeah, you never want to see that happen with in the division, and unfortunately for him this year, that means the entire country. My Sally quite simply is I am so happy that we only have to watch one anthem at the start of every game. <laughs> I, okay. You can slam me for being unpatriotic or something, but I've never understood national anthems before sports games. 
I, I may not have as much national pride as some people, but I, do we need to have the national anthem before a sports game? I don't think so. Two of them is just far too many. But this season, I am so happy that that's been cut down by, I'm going to say more than half, because we don't have to listen to anthem singers at the end of the American anthem go for the land of the, you know, you get the point. It just (laughs) goes on forever. And the game starts at like 20 past the hour. Come on, I am so happy that we can have one anthem. I'd be even happier if we got down to zero, but I feel like someone's going to come at me for that. So for now, my celly is, thank goodness, for only one anthem at the start of sports games. Yeah, I am uh, secretly with you there. So I guess not, well, not so secretly now. Not that so secretly that anymore. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so my celly is a little bit different. Um, it's kind of a, a bit of a double celly. So... Uh, for those of you who may not watch Oilers games or have listened to Oilers games, the commentators have changed or the, the play-by-play commentators changed this year. Uh, Jack Michaels, who was the formerly the radio play-by-play uh, announcer for 630 Chad for the Oilers games, uh, he's recently moved over to the television broadcast. And I think that was a great decision. I think he does an awesome job. I think he's doing a great job. He's fun. He's exciting. Uh, He's smart. He's funny. Uh, Yeah, he does a great job, period. But my celly actually is for the first game of the season. Uh, Jack Michaels was still doing the uh, radio announcer. So they had someone else uh, do the play-by-play for the TV broadcast. And that was, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but Harnarian Singh was his name. Hanarayan. I think so. There you go. I told you I'd probably pronounce it wrong. <laughs> Hanarayan Singh. Uh, so for those of you who hadn't heard that name, he's actually very experienced because he's actually called over 700 NHL games over 13 seasons in Punjabi. So... I don't know about you, Darren, but uh, I haven't listened to any Punjabi broadcasts of the NHL games before. <laughs> so I so I had never heard him do commentary, but obviously he's been doing this for a long time. He's got a lot of experience. And he, on January 13th, uh, for the Oilers' first game of the season, he became the first Sikh broadcaster to call an NHL game in English, which not like right there is very cool. Uh, very impressive for him and he's opened a lot of doors for a lot of people like him and that's awesome but the other thing I wanted to point out was that was actually the first game he's ever called in English and I'm guessing no one watching that game noticed that fact because he did a phenomenal job I can only speak even one language at any pace (laughs) but to be able to call a professional sports game at the and it'd be hockey. You might be able to pull it off for like golf. Like I could probably call golf in Spanish if I needed to, but for him to be able to pull off such a fast paced game, uh, in, in a language that he obviously speaks very well, but has never actually called a game in that language before. That's pretty darn impressive. And, uh, I thought that was really cool. And I think he did a really good job with it. And, uh, yeah, just, that uh, between him and Michaels, I think it's uh, very exciting, the stuff that's happening with the play-by-play for the Oilers this year. Yeah, I agree with you. I actually caught that game as well, and I didn't know who was calling it. 
And then at a, at a break, I think his name came up or I saw him on the screen and I recognized him before. And you're right. It, like you never would have known that he had never called a game in English or anything like that because he did such a good job. Good for him. He deserves that. Since we completely forgot about it earlier, um, before we do our predictions for the next few games, we might as well see how poorly we did at predicting the last few games. How about it? I like it. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we predicted from the beginning of the season on January 13th to the end of the month. So in that time, uh, let's start with the Oilers because they started the season and the Flames waited for some reason. Yeah. Uh, the Oilers had 11 games and uh, in there, I had said they were going to get six wins and you said they were going to get five and they actually went five six and oh so you were correct bang uh, on yeah not bad at all and then the flames they had seven games in that span again for some reason not playing nearly as much maybe that'll catch up eventually but sure. uh i i said they were only going to win three games out of that seven and you said they were going to win four and they actually went three three and one so Apparently, being slightly pessimistic against the other hosts team uh, helps us be more correct. <laughs> yeah, that's the play right there is actually, you know, play our favorites you know, like we should be. Yeah, I guess so. Except we're only correct about how badly the other team is going to do. And we're not correct about how well our uh, own team is going to do. Well, okay. we'll see if that continues. Did anyone even follow that sentence? I sure didn't. Kind of. We got we got one half of the prediction theory down, so this should be easy from here on out, is what I'm understanding. Right. Yeah, totally. Anyways, <laughs> on that note, uh, so I guess we've already missed a couple of games in February, but um, our predictions this time will be for the rest of the month of February. So from February 3rd, to the 28th eighth right it's not leap year this year is it we'll say the 28th so in that time uh the oilers have 11 games the flames have 13 and there are three count them three battle of alberta games uh one on the february 6th and then back to back on february 9th and sorry february 19th and february 20th so uh we we're probably going to record at some point in the month of February, but we figured it'd be fun to kind of predict for the whole month and then see how well we're doing uh, mid month. So who do we want to start with Darren? I think we can start with the Oilers. What, uh, what do you have predicted for the Oilers? Well, uh, out of 11 games uh, and without tipping my hat too much on the battle of Alberta's cause we'll, we'll come to that a little bit later. Uh, I think they're going to do okay like just over 500 um i've got them winning six of the 11 again kind of interesting what i saw in uh january you know they were they split the series with vancouver they split it with toronto they split it with winnipeg so if they kind of keep that pace up but can just kind of crush the Sanders whenever they need to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, and then lose to the Habs if necessary. That's kind of the logic I played here. And I, like I said, came up with about six out of 11 wins. So okay. what do you think? Well, I have completely already thrown our theory out the window that we've established <laughs> during our scorecard. I have the Oilers going seven and four. 
uh, mm. partially due to I, I see Ottawa as kind of being a, a launching pad for every team they play against. No matter what happened to you before you get into Ottawa, you will leave Ottawa feeling great because you just absolutely stomped them. That's what it seems like. So the Oilers obviously got their offense cranked up to 11 against Ottawa, and I think they'll probably roll out of there with that confidence, at least for the start of the month, which, you know, will carry them pretty well through the whole month at 7-4. and four. All right, fair enough. Yeah, it's considering their last two games were against Ottawa, then we've got the first battle of Alberta coming up, and then another two games against Ottawa. I, yeah, I do exactly. like that theory that if if that makes a difference, yeah, that could uh, that could carry us through that first battle of Alberta and that one game against the Habs. Who knows? Yeah, because Ottawa, the Ottawa really perked up Vancouver, and obviously has perked up the Oilers quite a bit. So I'm going to stick with that. That's something solid I can hold on to in this crazy division. Um, what do you think about the Flames month? What is that going to look like? Uh, the Flames, um, I see them winning uh, seven out of their 13. So uh, roughly around the same record as the Oilers. And again, this just seems to be kind of what these two teams are doing to us. <laughs> Um, you know, from, from what I saw in January, they, the flames have done really well against the Canucks. Um, they've kind of split some series with some other teams. They haven't been able to kind of crack the Leafs just yet. And, uh, but we haven't seen the flames take on Ottawa either. Uh, Mm -hmm. we do get a taste of that towards the end of the month. So maybe their March will be better if your theory holds, uh, but they've got four games against the Canucks in February. In fact, four in a row, obviously not within four nights. That's uh, <laughs> illegal, according to the NHLPA. <laughs> I guess not illegal, but not allowed, according to the NHLPA. But they do have four games in a row, in a row against the Canucks. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see if uh, the Flames can continue sweeping that series. Uh, I have a feeling the Canucks will get at least one of those. But, but yeah, I, I see the Flames doing okay uh in the month of february uh was seven out of their 13 again i'm just feeling more optimistic than you today for i i reasons completely unknown to me (laughs) but when i look at the schedule like you said i see four games against the canucks and two against the senators that is six wins right there baby so i think the flames are gonna go nine and four this month Really, besides what I just said, I have no reason to believe that they actually will do that. But I, that's what I've said. I'm going to stick with it. Their defense is really good. If they can get their offense on a roll against Vancouver, then they're sitting pretty for the rest of the month, I think. They don't have to play Montreal, which for some reason is the scary team in this division. So that every other team, I think, is at the very least beatable. So 9-4 and four for the Flames for me. All right, fair enough. Yeah, who saw that coming? Montreal being the scary team. I, yeah, they're I really good. Yeah, I don't think we talked about that uh, no. last episode. <laughs> so on that note, then, um, obviously three of those games uh, are Battle of Alberta games. So again, February 6th and then back-to-back on the 19th and 20th. Uh, what do you think is going to happen on the, the very first one coming up? Let's start there. Let's go in order, I guess. <laughs> so again, the Oilers are coming off two very hot wins against the Oil, uh, <laughs> against the Senators. What are the Flames coming from uh, leading uh, up to that? Flames are coming off a three-game set against the Jets. They've split the first two. Uh, the next one, as of the recording, is tomorrow, which is Thursday. So 
I think for the first Battle of Alberta, the Oilers will take it because, again, I'm going off the rolling off of Ottawa theory, and the Oilers' offense has woken up and looks terrifying. And I know I expanded at length about how great Calgary's defense is, but, I mean, the Flames aren't totally impervious to goals against. So for the first Battle of Alberta, at least, I'm banking on the Oilers' scoring barrage being able to break the Flames' fairly good defense uh, at this point. What do you think? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you. Uh, I think the Oilers are doing well coming off of those Sanders games. Uh, I think the Flames are, they also have a, the Oilers have a longer break. Um, they played on Tuesday and they're not playing again until Saturday. Maybe that'll cool them off. I kind of doubt it. I think, you know, Drysdale and McDavid don't get cool. <laughs> I think they're probably just itching to go. Um, whereas the, the Flames are playing some hard fought battles against the Jets, so they might be a bit more drained. That being said, I think the Oilers are going to come to this game thinking, oh, well, what we did against the Senators should work against Calgary, and it won't. <laughs> so I do think that that defense is going to make a difference against the Oilers. So I think it's going to be a, a pretty close game. Um, I but uh, I think the Oilers are eventually going to take it. Okay, so we're in agreement there. What do you think about the back-to-back on the 19th and 20th? So I think on the back-to-back, it's going to be a little bit different. I think uh, the Flames are going to be ready for the Oilers, and the Oilers are still going to think they can just do the same thing they always do, (laughs) which is score (laughs) a lot and just expect our goalie to deal with the other problems at the other end. Uh, that time the Oilers are going to be coming off uh, a couple hard games against the Jets. And I think the the Flames are going to edge that one out. I think it's going to be another close one, uh, but I think the Flames are going to edge it out. But then I think after that one, uh, the Oilers are going to come back. They're going to realize what's going on, and uh, I think they're going to win big against the Flames on the second game of the back-to-back. Okay, okay. Uh, I... I kind of have a feeling that the Flames will do much better against the Oilers later on. Uh, for the sake of being different from you, I'm going to say the Flames win both on the back-to-back. I think that'll be very difficult. But when it comes to a back-to-back, generally the backup goalies will go in. And while David Riddick isn't exactly the all-star that he was picked to be last year and is having a rough go, uh, I basically don't even know who... Edmonton's backup is I believe it's someone named Stuart Skinner but I also know that uh, the Oilers have been trolling the waiver wire trying to find goalies and that's not a good sign so (laughs) on a back-to-back I think the Flames will definitely have an upper hand with the goaltending situation so I will give them both the wins but like you said it's it's gonna be tight and in a game with two backups I would (laughs) I would expect some fireworks between those two teams so are you saying you're not expecting Mike Smith to come back and just cajole whichever Flames goalie he can into a goalie fight? <laughs> I Well, that's a good question. Is Do you have any idea of the time frame of Mike Smith's injury? Would he be back? Uh, he was at practice yesterday, so that's entirely oh, okay. possible. Well, my point still stands because I don't know <laughs> if you want rusty, very cold, just off the injured list Mike Smith to roll up into a Battle of Alberta game. But in that case, I would definitely predict a Mike Smith-David Riddick goalie fight of 100%. That will be great. And that's all I can really hope for now. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
all right everyone that's the end of the episode thank you so much for listening once again uh you can rate like and subscribe to our podcast to get the word out and let other people know just how totally fantastic we are we will be back in a couple weeks after family day for a new episode we will update you on how our predictions are going and how those three crazy battle of alberta games went Uh, but until then have a safe and great couple of weeks and we will see you soon thank you so much for listening goodbye